Welcome to episode 11 of Flying Podcast. Uh, I'm on my way down to uh, Greater Manchester Police Forces Air Support Unit. Uh, the air support units are those guys that uh, fly the police helicopters over the cities and feature in several TV documentaries at the moment. Uh, we tend to see them in pursuit of stolen cars on the TV, but I'm sure there's lots more other operations that they get involved in, and hopefully today I'll find out what those are. Uh, I'd also like to uh, find out what it's like working for this branch of the force and maybe get an idea of uh, how you go about getting to be a police helicopter pilot or uh, get a seat as an air observer. Okay, let's get down to the interview. All right, I'm with uh, Sergeant Mick Dunn of uh, Greater Manchester Police Air Support Unit. Good afternoon, Mick. Good afternoon, Steve. Uh, first question, where are GMP, uh, GMP Air Support Unit based? We're based at, uh, well, City Airport Manchester, formerly known as Barton. We still prefer to call it Barton. Um, and we're based here, uh, which is an, an ideal operating location to cover the, the skies of Greater Manchester. Uh, what exactly would you say is the, the operational role of the unit? The, the air support unit here at Barton is the, the helicopter, so primarily we provide a, a quick response to GMP for air support unit requests uh, throughout the county. And we can typically be anywhere in the force area in less than 10 minutes. And the areas we go to most often around the city, less than five minutes flying time away. So we're, we're very good at getting to places quickly and being successful at operations as a result of that. Uh, and GMP, as the name suggests, covers quite a large area, doesn't it? Greater Manchester's a huge area. In terms, it's the whole of the metropolitan area, it's about 550 square miles, which sounds like a lot, but when, you, when you're in an aircraft, and we can typically fly up, say, 120 knots would be our cruising speed, it's like I said, it's perhaps 8 to 10 minutes to the furthest reaches of the force, so it, it does shrink the size in terms of flying time. Uh, and we know you fly a helicopter. First of all, what sort of helicopter is it? It's an MD-902 Explorer, which is a, classed as a light twin helicopter, uh, which means it's got its twin turboshaft engines, very powerful, capable aircraft. And does it have any special features that sort of um, makes it suitable for the job? We think it's the best aircraft for the police role. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, it's its power and its capability. Its endurance is typically about two hours on a full tank of fuel. Uh, the lack of a tail rotor, which is unique to MD helicopters, means it's much quieter um, for, op for police operations, which is particularly important during the night when we do most of our flying, and as a result we get very com few complaints about noise. Uh, and also, the visibility from the aircraft is excellent, and it's an excellent uh, mounting platform for the police roll equipment that we use. There are no obstructions to our camera, and we get a great 360-degree view of whatever we're looking at on the ground. Uh, I know this isn't your department, but there's also a fixed-wing aircraft that operates out of Manchester Airport. That's right, a Britain Norman Defender, um, again, a, a twin-engined um, aircraft operating from the airport. Um, they tend to deal with more pre-planned uh, types of work than we do. We're here for a fast response. We can be, from answering the phone, we can be airborne in less than two minutes because the, the, the aircraft are so quick to start up these days. The fixed-wing tend to be a little bit longer, so they need a little bit more notice. So they are very busy aircraft, fly as many hours as we do, up to about 1,200 hours a year, but on different kinds of operations. Okay, and uh, what sort of technology do you have on board that uh, makes it suitable for dealing with uh, crime fighting? Well, our aircraft, because it is the newest police aircraft in the UK, we're sort of proud to think of it as the most technologically advanced police helicopter in the world. 
Um, we're very fortunate in UK police aviation. Um, we get excellent equipment, and there, there isn't really anywhere else in the world that has such high-tech equipment on board. We have the latest uh, FLIR camera system on board, a Star Sapphire HD system. So that's a high-definition um, daylight camera, uh, infrared uh, camera as well, and low light, and we're able to fuse the lenses. So whatever light conditions or we're operating in, we can get a superb image on the camera from various altitudes. Uh, you can, I presume, track stolen vehicles if they've got a tracker on board, is that right? Yeah, we have a tracker system on board. Um, again, that's, uh, it is actually called tracker, the technology there. That's a VHF transmitter fitted to some usually expensive high-powered uh, vehicles. And with the vehicle stolen, that's activated and we can track the vehicle. Other kit we've got on board, um, we have the latest HD high-definition touchscreens. Uh, we have... Um, full digital recording suite which enables to record up to almost two hours of uh, footage we have uh, a sky shout 600 well it's actually just sky shout 600 watt loudspeaker system and we have a late the latest technology uh, searchlight as well combined with a downlink uh, ability so we can transmit live pictures of what we're seeing to control rooms on the ground and that enables um, officers on the ground to control particularly pursuits or similar high-risk situations where our duty officer would like to have some control over what's going on they can get live imagery from us uh, in which to help them make decisions okay uh, now we've seen on the tv that um, your uh, helicopter tends to get involved in uh, in traffic pursuits, stolen vehicles, etc. Are there any other sort of things that, that we don't see? Um, the most common tasks we deal with are offender searches. That's, typically that's where police officers have been called to an incident. Somebody's usually been seen to run off. The officers have given chase on foot, lost them at night in gardens. They'll surround an area and we'll go and search it. And if the officers have done the job properly and contained the area well, we will find uh, an offender in there doesn't matter where they try and hide if they try and hide under a car they'll perhaps leave the foot sticking out if they hide in a wheelie bin the bin will heat up and the infrared camera will pick that up uh, that's quite a common if they hide in dog kennels but they'll leave the face sticking out the front which gives us an indication we even had one lad thought he could escape uh, the thermal camera by s sort of squatting in the back garden with a dustbin lid on his head <laughs> uh, which didn't work he just looked a bit foolish on the video um, so the offender search is the main task, and last year um, we did um, s nearly 700 offender searches. Sorry, not last year, since we've got this new aircraft, so that's since about August last year. And in that time also we've been involved in 222 vehicle pursuits. We're probably the busiest force in the country in terms of pursuits. And again, when we get on a pursuit, it's excellent. We can take the pr pressure off patrols on the ground by doing the commentary and very, very rare that anybody escapes once we're above because, you know, there aren't any vehicles out there that can run, outrun our aircraft. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of missing from home searches. Um, we're fairly successful with those. More than finding people. I mean, we, did, we have found 21 people in the last six months, but it, gives, it reassures officers on the ground that if they're not sure where, that somebody might be in an area, we can go and say, well, no, they're not there, so you needn't bother searching there. So there's that kind of reassurance. We do a lot of secondary tasking, um, taking photographs for, for officers on the ground that are planning operations or um, contingency planning, things like that. Um, we do quite a lot of work at 
public order football matches again down Lincoln Ibridgeford control room so they can see what the crowd movements are. Because the big match on tonight is uh, United Porto, isn't it? You were there. We will be there. Um, yes, we'll be there for, before the game starts and at the end of the game as well. We don't stay there for the whole game. We'll just go for an hour before and usually an hour after us or until things calm down. So you don't film it to watch. Certainly not, no. <laughs> uh, right, we're just underneath Manchester's airspace, aren't we? And if we fly south or or east, you're in Class A, so yeah. I presume you have to talk to ATC. Yeah, I mean, we're in, we're obviously, here we're, we're, we're sort of controlled by Barton Air Traffic. So when we're lifting, we speak, first of all, to Barton Air Traffic Control. You, I mean, Barton's a fairly busy little airfield, so for, quite often we'll have to wait for either landing or departing traffic, unless we're in a, you know, it's a real emergency for us. That case, we'll either wait for the runway to be cleared or we'll do a helipad departure from the base here, which saves us encroaching on the runway. Once clear of Barton's airspace, we will speak to Manchester Air Traffic Control. Um, we've got quite a clever grid system that we use, which uh, indicates to air traffic control where we want to go, and it's based around the Manchester A to Z map. We've split the whole of Manchester into, I think, 191 squares, and each of those squares represents a double page in the A to Z. I know it's quite simple in these days of sat-nav and GPS, but it works very well. Uh, they have a copy of this map at Manchester Air Traffic Control. So, for example, if we wanted to go to Bolton, which I happen to know rather sadly is in square 45, we'll ask for clearance to that square. Manchester Air Traffic Control, yeah, it's well out of the, of, of, uh, the, the area alpha, so, and we usually get a clearance up to 1,500 feet, which keeps us well away from commercial traffic. If we want to go above that altitude, obviously we have to ask for permission. And generally speaking, we're going to get the clearance up to... We generally don't go above about 2,500 feet. If we're moving down towards the airport, our usual holding area would be Sail Water Park. Um, if we want to work near the airport, so we'll speak to uh, Approach and Tower and get clearance in. Sometimes, if we want to cross the Approach Centre line to go south of the airport, we usually hold at the, perhaps the northern car parks at the airport. And provided... We've got the separation and visual on incoming aircraft. They'll clear us across behind landing aircraft without much problem at all. The most difficult area for us to work in is around Stockport, Cheadle, which are right under the centre line. And in those circumstances, we'll be, we will be given clearance to work at maybe 500 feet AGL. So we're below incoming traffic. We maintain the separation, but it's quite low for us mm -hmm. because it's very noisy for people on the ground and our cameras aren't as they're not as easy to use at that low level. But it's better that than not being able to get in at all. Some operators will let us in. They certainly won't let us in at night at those altitudes. But during the day, when we've got visual with incoming aircraft and we can hear the air traffic um, radios, they've got visual with us. The TCAS is pinging away, but we know we're safe because we can see each other. Just going back, just something occurred to me there, was about the resolution of the camera. And people say, you know, you can be hovering so many miles away and read, type on a newspaper. What sort of... Resolution. The the, um, the HD camera has um, five lenses, so we have a wide angle into a, a, an ultra narrow lens. And for example, from Barton here, I can see traffic going across the Runcorn Bridge, which is about forty kilometres away. I can't pick out number plates or anything of that range, but we yeah. can see them moving. Can't see if they're on the phone. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so the the camera is very powerful in good light conditions which, as with any camera, you know, are pretty important to get a good image. We can pick out some pretty good detail at long range without going into too much detail about what we can pick out, good, but good, good, right. it's good stuff. Okay. 
uh, we'll discuss the air traffic issue uh, operationally. Um, obviously, Manchester, weather's never that good around here. Um, do you have any problems with weather, or can you fly in pretty much anything? We the, we do have a bit of a problem here at Barton because we're near the canal. We we get fog banks formed very easily, readily at night, particularly when it's cold in the winter. Um, and for example, I know I live in Bolton. It'd be a beautiful morning in Bolton. I'm setting off for work at six a.m. By the time I get to Peel Green Roundabout, I'm in thick fog. So there might only be a two hundred foot foot thick fog blanket, but that sort of curtails our operations. Fortunately, it doesn't happen that often. Our downtime due to weather is pretty limited. Um, we have got pretty low operating minima. Uh, during the day, we can operate down to 300 feet AGL, uh, but we've got to be 50 feet below the cloud base. And similarly, at night, we can operate down to 600 feet AGL, 50 feet below the cloud base, with 5K vis and 1.5K vis during the day. But though, realistically, at those visibilities, flying at the day, it's very difficult. We're too low. We can't go very far at 300 feet AGL. And at night, we can't go very far at 600 feet AGL. And certainly, as, as one of the observers, I'm not comfortable going out at night at 600 foot cloud base because we don't want to go IMC. We've got to fly visual flight rules mm -hmm. during the day and special visual flight rules at night. So IMC is not an option for us. Right. Although the aircraft is rated as a single pilot IFR machine, and our pilots do practice instrument flying. We don't fly them in instrument, instrument conditions. So you're an observer. Does that mean you are a policeman first and foremost, and then you apply for this job as a, an air observer? Yeah, I've been a policeman for 28 years. Um, I've spent, I started in 1981 back in Radcliffe, like all the police officers do, not all starting in Radcliffe, but on the beat. <laughs> yeah. You move up to section. I then went on traffic because I like fast cars and two tones and sirens, and we had Sierra Cosworths and fantastic cars to drive around in, and I loved that at the time. Then I went on the motorway. Uh, where I spent several years, and I came to the air support unit in 2002. So I've been here seven years. Um, I'm now the deputy unit executive officer because we have a, a dual role in air support. We've got the responsibility to the police, but we've also got responsibilities to the CAA to maintain a safe flying operation. So I never imagined when I joined the COPS I'd be flying around in helicopters. Well, we didn't even have helicopters mm -hmm. when I joined. So it, it is a fantastic job, and I'm very pleased to be here. So No two days the same, I presume. No, it, it's it's a really exciting job. You know, we we wait, we tend to wait for the phone to ring a lot of the time for jobs to come in. But uh, when they do come in, you sort of we're there and we go and take control of whatever's going on. Uh, and we're in a very fortunate position to to be able to do that. I mean, I think I speak speaking for myself and all the other um, observers here. You know, we're all very proud to to represent the unit. And it is a difficult unit to get on. The training and selection uh, is quite difficult. I mean, I run all that process now, and I've got four constables starting on an observer course next week uh, and they've worked really hard from a, a, you know an initial um, applicants of maybe 45 people it's down to the last four and only one of those will get a place on the unit eventually what does it take skill wise to be a, an air observer there's a bit there's a lot of misconception in the police about this they think oh i need to be a pilot i need a pilot's license i need this that and the other but basically what we want is good police officers that can control situations and uh, and have some nous really so if you are at an incident you'll have dealt with that kind of thing yourself on the ground whilst you've been a, a you know a ground-based officer and you'll be able to use your experience to direct maybe less experienced officers on the ground and have the confidence to take control and tell people what to do and say, everybody be quiet, I can see what's happening, I will tell you what to do. So management skills rather than just observational skills? Yeah, yeah, it's management and confidence and just 
being a good cop and having experienced some having experience as a police officer so when you see an, air, an incident from the air you've dealt with it on the ground and you know the best resolution for, for whatever we're, whatever we're dealing with uh, and the pilot side are they policemen as well or are they a separate no, entity? The pilots I think in the early days of aviation I think Hampshire and um, another southern force had police officers trained as pilots but I think pretty early on the CAA um, decided when the first police air operations manual was written back in oh, probably the mid to late 80s that they wanted experienced pilots so the sort of minimum experience now is 2,000 hours on helicopters and 1,500 of that as pilot in command 50 hours at night they have to have an ATPLH and a JAA CPL so they're experienced pilots we have five full-time pilots here four pilots work as we'd call them line pilots I suppose with a, the pilots work with a permanent crew we work in permanent crews and one pilot that floats a couple of leave training etc now they're all ex-military at the moment we have one ex-navy pilot who's been flying with the police who started with the Met back in the mid 80s and has been flying with us since 89 we've got three well four four ex-army air corps pilots one of those finished on Apaches out in Afghanistan in February and he's started working with us recently and the other pilots have been with us for maybe five or six years, all ex-Gazelle and Lynx pilots, mm -hmm. with the exception of the, the Apache and uh, the ex-Navy man who was probably on Wessex's back in uh, the early 80s when he left yeah. the Navy. Very experienced pilots, and which is great for us as observers because we're very confident in the capabilities and you know, flying a helicopter to them is intuitive and second nature and it does show because they're very, very good at it and we have a, a, you know, a safety record that's second to none. If people want to have a look at the helicopter, I think I've seen you at City Airport or Barton's Open Day. Yeah. Do you think you'll be there again this year? We will be definitely there this year. It's, it's diaried in, yeah. yeah. I think there's one on 16th of May. That's Is that correct? Yeah. So if, yeah. if someone wants to find out a little bit more and come more and meet than you welcome, guys. Yeah, we'll be there. All, well, for as much as the day as we can, obviously we'll be remain operational, so we might be taking off and uh, disappearing every now and again, which probably adds to the, uh, the appeal, really, because... Even now, it is an exciting thing seeing the aircraft turn up, you know, start up the noise, and it's an ex. We always walk to the aircraft with a smile on our face, hoping we're going to go and get some offenders locked up. So, uh, which is what we what we do most of the time. So, yeah, we'll be there. And at the moment, you're also on the TV. People will have seen these programs, but you guys actually feature on on a TV program at the moment. We 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 we're featuring on um, a, a news item tomorrow night, actually, about laser attacks on aircraft. Um, there are several TV companies want to come and film with Manchester, but we've not actually featured in one of the chopper coppers or mm -hmm. one of the specific yeah. helicopter programmes. Um, we may, we may not. There are some issues that I'm not entirely happy with about the way these things are put together. Um, they are great entertainment, and I'm sure we would produce a fantastic programme because we're a very busy unit, and there'd yep. be some excellent uh, footage and incidents that, that, that a film crew would be able to come to with us. What's the thing with uh, with lasers? I know there's, uh, as a GA pilot myself, I've heard of people getting dazzled by lasers as kids on the ground pointing at planes. Are you looking for those on the ground? Yeah, we, we don't go specifically looking for them, but if we get a laser strike on the aircraft, which usually the green lasers, and it, it is... The, the main issue for us is the dazzle and potential damage that a laser may cause depending on the power of that laser. Now, I think what people don't realise or the youth that tend to fire these things off is that if they fire a laser at us, 
we've got a very, very powerful camera that can see them from miles away, and it doesn't take much for us to point the camera at where they're operating from, and we will send a patrol round to get them arrested. Uh, it is an arrestable offence, and you're looking at the, the first person we had convicted in Manchester got four months. Now, for a first conviction to be sent to prison, serious. it's pretty, uh, a pretty serious offence, mm -hmm. and they are dealt with seriously because we, it, the offence they're being charged with is, is endangering an aircraft. There have been uh, attacks on commercial traffic from Derbyshire. There was one over Warrington last week. Even up to 35,000 feet, feet pilots are reporting being attacked by lasers, but more often it's on approach to Manchester and Liverpool airports. And we get, we've get we got a few people that are trying to get us from all around Greater Manchester, but we've had some great success getting them arrested. Uh, and I think the look on the face says it all. They just don't expect to get locked up. OK, well, I think that's it. Thank you very much, Mick. You're very welcome. Having finished the interview inside, Mick then took me for a quick uh, walk round of the helicopter on the ramp. Very interesting too. 902 Explorer, as you can see, we've got quite a distinctive colour scheme on it. It complies with a home office uh, sort of conspicuity scheme, but we wanted something a little bit more interesting than a plain old boring yellow top and blue body. So we've, we've had it designed to look like a hornet or as some unkind people would call, a, say, a bumblebee. <laughs> anyway, I'll take you around. The normal crew is a pilot and two observers. The pilot sits front right and the, uh, all our pilots are ex-military, as I said before, and the observers, police observers, sit front left and rear left. Today, front observer is uh, Sergeant Claire Spargo. And her sole responsibility really today in the front seat is to operate the camera systems. So um, quite a, a complex hand controller there, married up to the, the sort of latest state-of-the-art FLIR Sapphire camera. Screen in the front of the aircraft, Claire looks at the image on that and that merely replicates, replicates what the camera is looking at. So she doesn't really have to do anything else other than that. The rear observer myself today sorts all the communications and navigation out so not a great deal to see in the front most of the kit is in the back and obviously as we go around the other side the pilot the pilot stuff is around the, on the right hand side you're missing there. the most important piece of kit there mick the yeah a to z on the floor <laughs> it's it's a bit of a sad thing with manchester police i mean you've, you've, you'll all be aware of sat nav moving maps gps but we still like to re rely on the manchester a to z for navigating around the city uh, we've been doing that for the last Ooh, nearly 20 years of air support in Greater Manchester. We are transitioning slowly to moving map systems and we do have a fantastic system on board, but I'm still happiest with the, the paper map on my knee. You know where you are. I know exactly where I am because I always have my finger on the map wherever we're going. <laughs> okay, now we're inside the, uh, the rear of the aircraft. Okay, the main features inside the aircraft are the, uh, the purpose-built workstation we have here. We did a lot of work um, with our design organisation to construct this so everything would be easily to hand for the rear observer. So we've got a stack of equipment on the left hand side of the, uh, the workstation. We're a moving map system which uh, at the top with the card that loads that information into it. Below that we've got two recorders. We've got three compact flash recorders and we record, they record about 100 minutes each of video footage. We've also got a hard, a hard drive recorder in the aircraft so that if we want to replay anything in flight that records on a continuous loop so if we want to review some footage while we're airborne we can stop that, rewind it and have a look whilst the other recorders are still recording in the background whatever the camera operator is looking at. 
Below that we have the, uh, the police radios. Uh, the main set has four, we have four radios on board so we can listen to four channels at any time <clears throat> and we also have two backups so in effect we could listen to, uh, to six radio channels at a time but that would be quite uh, hard work on the ears I think so we tend to listen to one of the, the main force channels which cover the force area and then we'll tune into the division of wherever we're going to do the job. Below that we've got the uh, controls for the um, the, the airborne loudspeaker system that's a very full, very powerful system we don't use it that often um, the obvious times we use it are searching for missing from homes if uh, a young child's gone missing we'll fly to an area and broadcast a message just to get people on the ground who are our best eyes and ears to look out for uh, the girl or boy you know and in the area wherever they've gone missing occasionally I've used it where I've had an offender fleeing across an open area and we're struggling to get cops to catch them where I'll say look you know you might as well give up you're not going to get away so just stop where you are sometimes they do sometimes they don't if they don't we sometimes will land and uh, get a grip of them until ground patrols catch up so you do actually land them yeah we, uh, we land away occasionally the, the, pros the, the opportunities for doing that in Manchester aren't that great because it's, a very, it's classed as a congested area so we can't really be landing on football pitches uh, but if we're, if we're out sort of in the hills you know north of Bolton or out to the east of the force uh, beyond Oldham and Rochdale we may land there or some big open areas but we, we don't do it very often. Below that we've got downlink uh, transmitter we use that a lot to uh, relay pictures to the control room. We've got a, an antenna outside that rotates down in flight and that transmits a, a real-time image of what we're seeing on the ground. Uh, we've got two large screens. The largest screen, 20-inch uh, flat screen, we can mainly we use that for looking at the picture on the camera. We can split that into four so we can look at a, a daylight image we can have an image of the map, we can have a thermal image and a fused image, we can have any combination of what the camera can do on that screen and a smaller screen on the, on the right which we tend to display the mapping system on. Great system, not quite overtaken the A to Z just yet but uh, I can program an address into that and press a button and it will put a line on the map which will show the pilot which direction to fly in to get to that location. So it is very useful. Uh, and very easy to use for, for doing things like that. Another bit of kit we have, this is the controller for the, uh, the, the tracker beam uh, searchlight, very powerful searchlight. Again we use this primarily to light areas on the ground for ground patrols if they're searching an area. It, we don't tend to look at, use it ourselves to look at things on the ground because the altitude we work out we're really too high to be able to see things distinctly on the ground so it's more for lighting things for, for patrols on the ground um, again the seat you're sitting in Steve that's uh, a f that it can be a fully operational seat access to all the radio channels and that's really intended for an incident commander if they wanted to come airborne they could sit in that seat and be a full part of the uh, full part of the crew so that's pretty much what we have inside bit of storage space uh, we've also got a, a portable um, stretcher in the back there for the occasional uh, times when we do casualty evacuations. I think we did maybe two or three last year. We do very few now, now that we've got an air ambulance. Um, but we, we do do the other one. Okay, brilliant. Very impressive. Thank you very much for the walk round. Okay, you're welcome. So that's the police roll equipment. Uh, thanks again to Mick and his team down there at the air support unit. Uh, it was very kind of him to spare me half an hour to give me that interview.
they tend to fly mostly at night uh, when the criminal fraternity are out and about, obviously. So I probably caught them at one of their quieter times during the day. Certainly sounds like an interesting job, uh, but there was uh, quite a bit more to it than, uh, than I first thought. As I said, you can get down to see the guys and their helicopter at City Airport's open day in May. Uh, and for that, I would check City Airport's website for the details. Well, that's it for episode 11. I hope you enjoyed it again. Uh, as usual, if you've got any comments, please drop me a line. The email address is steve at flyingpodcast. That's flyingpodcast, all one word, dot co dot uk. I'll speak to you again soon.